studio if you live anywhere close to uh, where we are here at 610 highway 59 in queen city we'd encourage you to come on out and be a part of us uh, in our bible study every friday morning at nine we are in second timothy chapter one this morning just uh, encouraged to uh, always to be in the Word of God, to study God's Word, and to find the gold in God's Word, which is the truth of His Word. Uh, also on Mondays and Thursday mornings at 8.30 a.m., I'm teaching the book of Romans. We're in chapter 12, uh, so I encourage you to tune in live on the Pastor Curtis Facebook page or the Curtis Hutchinson 316 YouTube channel every single Monday and Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m., and uh, before we get into the Word this morning, let's uh, remind everyone of the Determined Camp Meeting coming up in October, one of a kind, never been to anything like that, I guarantee you haven't, because all the ministers there are those ministers that are determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. All of the Word of God is preached in the context of Jesus Christ and what He did at Calvary. And uh, we have been told we make too much of the cross and that the, that the Bible is really not all about Jesus and what He did at Calvary. Well, they can keep going down that path. I've found true life on this path. Hallelujah. So I'm sticking with it. Hallelujah. And uh, so we uh, last... Friday morning, we began chapter 1 of 2 Timothy, and I reminded you that it is the last letter that Paul wrote in his life that we're aware of. He wrote it from a prison cell in one of those dungeon prisons, and we've read about certain things about how horrible it was there. And uh, so uh, you have to think it very important. Of course it is. It's the Word of God. But what a man would write... Uh, in his last letter. And uh, sometimes we say that and we kind of look at it just like what a man would write, but it was more than that. It was Paul the Apostle being moved by the Holy Spirit, who is God, to write this last letter he would ever write 
to Timothy, to the church in Ephesus? How about this? To you and me, that we would have this because uh, we, I am a Gentile uh, believer, and Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. And so I'm thankful for what God gave Paul, and through that we learn to live for God. We learn to express Christ, because if Christ cannot be expressed, God cannot be glorified. Let me say that one more time. If Christ is not expressed, God cannot be glorified. And what I mean is in and through His people. Only when Christ is expressed is God glorified because Christ is the glory of God. And so I'm thankful to know that today. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, we'll begin in verse 6 this morning. And I just believe the Lord's going to impart something into our hearts, uh, something that we need today, because that's what happens when you are, that's what's supposed to happen when you're in a Bible study, whether you're all alone or you're in a group of uh, church folk or a Bible study such as this. At the end of the Bible study or the worship service or whatever it is, you are supposed to have a greater love for Christ, dependence upon Him, a greater love for righteousness, a greater hunger and thirst for His righteousness. Uh, you, you, you should receive something when you sit down with the Lord and His Word. And uh, if you don't, then you, you really weren't paying attention like you should in, in the Bible study, because we can uh, be thinking about everything else. I've, I've, even, I've even began to pray, and before you know it, I wasn't even in prayer anymore. Same thing can happen in a Bible study, whether you're at home by yourself or in a church service. You can wake up all of a sudden and find out, where have I been? I hadn't even been worshiping the Lord. I hadn't heard one thing the preacher said, because I've been carried off by something. So, uh, you know, and let me say it again. At the end of each worship service, Bible study, whatever it is where the Word of God is involved, you should have received something. And if we don't get back to that mindset and that expectation, we'll just stay in the same old rut we've been in for years and years. I was thinking before Bible study this morning, I got saved at 11. But, it, but I would be in my early 40s before I would ever learn how to live for God. Not all the things the Bible tells us to do, but how to live for God. Let me say it again. Eleven years old, I got saved, and I was in my early 40s before I ever learned how to live for God. Some people go to the grave and never do. Thank God it's in the Bible. Hallelujah. So in this second letter to Timothy the last letter of Paul, in what we call chapter 1. This is session 2 on the 24th day of July here in 2020. And the Bible says in verse 6, Wherefore I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God which is in you by the putting on of my hands. Paul reminds Timothy here concerning the gift that the Lord gave him. And, and, and we know that uh, God didn't gift him through Paul, that God, God uh, uh, just confirmed to Paul what gift Timothy already had. That's laying on of hands. Uh, Timothy may have been baptized with the Holy Spirit at that point, but for sure he's talking about the gift of God 
was in him by the putting on of his hands. Paul laid hands on Timothy and something happened, but it didn't, it didn't happen because Paul said it would happen. It happened because Timothy had faith. Timothy had faith. And when you back up a couple of verses, you'll see Paul was reminding him of his genuine faith that his grandmother and his mother had. And so, you know, and I hate, I always hate to just start in a certain verse because some people, they be like, oh, and it's because we didn't read the verses before it. So you'll have to go back and listen to last week's session to get in on that. But the really, Paul reminds Timothy concerning the gift of God, which is the gift of the Spirit, which works according to the measure of faith we've all received upon trusting in the work of Christ at Calvary. And apparently Timothy needed to be hearing what Paul was writing to him. Timothy needed to be reminded, I need to be reminded that I have the Spirit of God dwelling in me and that I've been filled with the Spirit of God. Sometimes we need to be, all the time, we need to be reminded. Galatians 3.14 says that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So he is talking about, here he's reminded Timothy about the gift of God that he needs to stir up. See, there it is. You're the one that's responsible for stirring that gift up, for allowing that gift to move. The Spirit of God is always there, but you better know, and he's not going to just, he's not just going to do what needs to be done without you. We have to be stirred up. And I'm not talking about uh, our flesh. I'm not talking about that. Uh, our emotions, thank God, and they're very important. But I'm talking about the gift of God needs to be stirred. I need, you know, uh, you know, it's it's not God that goes to sleep. It's us that goes to sleep. And so when we wake up to the to the reality that I need God moving in my life, doing what needs to be done in my life, then. That's what Paul's talking about here, stirring up the gift of God. And he says, and, and he proves that he's talking about the Spirit, because verse 7 says, For God has not given us the Spirit of fear. And this morning we'll be talking a little bit about the difference between uh, the fear of man and the fear of the Lord, uh, because he says here, for Because God has not given you, Timothy, us, the Spirit of fear, but of power. That's talking about the Holy Spirit of power, the Holy Spirit of love, the Holy Spirit of a sound mind. These are things that the Holy Spirit has given us by Him being allowed to function in our life. You will experience power, love, and soundness of mind. And again, it goes back to that Romans 12:3, that measure of faith that we were given, the Bible says there in Romans chapter 12, so that we won't think more highly of ourselves than we ought. And make no mistake about it, if we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us daily into truth, we're thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to. I got this. I'll, I'll, well, don't worry about it. I'll be in church Sunday, maybe. But I got this today. No, you're thinking way too highly. If you're depending on anything but Christ and what he did at Calvary, listen, you're thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to. You're drunk. You're drunk. You're not sober-minded. You're not thinking according to that sober mind God gave you, which is that measure of faith, so you won't 
start depending on yourself. And, and this is pretty, a, a pretty powerful scripture here, and we hear it quoted all the time. And we'll talk about it for a few minutes this morning because Paul says, and he reminds us all, that God didn't give us the spirit of fear. If we're living by fear, that's not a move of the Spirit of God in our lives. And if we're, if we're just, if we just, I mean, we can't do this and we can't do that and, uh, you know, I mean, I'm so, you know, I'm a fear. We live by fear. Fear of uh, what they might think about my yesterday and Lord knows fear about what might come tomorrow, what I might not have, what I might not be, what they're going to think about me. I mean, just fear. Fear is, 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 listen, the Bible says that if we will allow, and I preached this some time recently, that if we will allow God to establish us in His righteousness, oppression, which is brought on by fear, will be far from us. That's not talking about in the days ahead. That's talking about for you and me right now. If we'll be led by the Spirit... This perfect love that we've been given through faith in the cross, the work, the perfect work of Christ at Calvary, will remove all fear. I didn't say it's just going to magically disappear all in one day, but as long as you're walking, being led by the Spirit, you are not going to stay bound in fear for the next 30 years making excuses for it. You're going to be being delivered. Not Maybe not all at once, but you're going to be being delivered because God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power that overcomes fear. Love that overcomes all things and a sound mind to be able to function. You know, a sound mind sees the issue. It's me. <laughs> sound mind is not blaming other folk anymore. All that you see going on in our country today, there's no soundness in that. That's all devilish, demonic, evil. Because there's no soundness, there's no, what we'll talk about this Sunday morning, there's no wisdom from heaven there. And where there's no wisdom from heaven, then you're just being led by devilish, evil spirits and your flesh, and it won't work out, and you will be bound in fear. These people are fearful they won't get their way, fearful they're not going to be something, fearful they're not going to have what the people across the street have. All types of fear. Fear is not just scared of a rattlesnake or scared of somebody's got a gun. I'm, fe- I'm, I'm, you know, you could be fearful of that you'll never be who you thought you should be, fearful that you'll never have what you thought you should have. And there's all sorts of fear. And we're going to talk about some of those today. But God has not given us the spirit of fear. We should not live in fear. And uh, he has defeated, Christ defeated everything that would cause us to be fearful. Amen, Brother Curtis. Hallelujah. You mean, if we're operating in fear, you know, and the church is, basically because they have gifts that they're not functioning in because of fear. How many people, stood, and, I, and I'm talking about me too, how many people stand in a spirit-filled worship service, the Lord moves on them to give a word in tongues, they sit there. They don't do it. And let me tell you, it ain't nothing but fear. I don't care what they write down on paper as to why they didn't do it. It's fear. 
Fear that I might not be right. Fear that it might not be God. Fear of what they're going to think about me. Oh, we got a visitor today. I don't know about them. Y'all know what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about the reality of coming under a fearful pressure when God's trying to move on your heart and do something. We all know what I'm talking about because we've all experienced it more than likely. Or somebody brought a word in tongues and God surely just, boom, there it was. You had the interpretation, but you talked yourself out of it. The reason you did is because it's fear. Don't try to name it something else. It's fear. It's fear. And, uh, well, I might, well, what if it ain't God? Well, what if it ain't? At least you, like Peter, stepped out of the boat. <laughs> Amen, Brother Curtis. Luke 1, 74 and 75. This, become, this is becoming one of my favorite scriptures. Luke chapter 1, verse 74 and verse 75. That he would grant unto us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve Him without fear in holiness and righteousness before Him all the days of our lives. And I understand that there's always going to be something to be fearful of. But the Bible here says that because he has, He's granted unto us that because we've been delivered out of the hand of our enemies, we might serve Him without fear. Serve Him without fear. Because fear is what will keep you from serving Him. And the and, and Lord's been laying this little uh, thing on my mind, in my heart. We don't serve God on our own terms. We've done it for years. We've tried to do it. It don't work on my own terms. When I want to, how I want God to move me, when I want God to move me, uh, in the way that I've chosen for God, it does not work. And we will be miserable and we will, be, we will, we will flat out quit eventually because it's, salvation wasn't on our terms. Living... For the Lord is not on our terms. We were purchased by the blood of Jesus. We are not our own. We do not write the story. We do not write it down and turn it in and says, this is what you'll do for me. Now, the word of faith is caught up in all that lying, satanic mess, but that's not how Christianity works. We get saved on God's terms. We live for God according to His will, which is his terms. And we need to remember that. And the promise we have that is that we, because He's delivered us out of the hand of our enemies, which is our flesh, the sin nature, and the devil, and the world, that we can serve Him without fear. Now watch verse 75. We're in Luke chapter 1. But you've got to serve Him in holiness and righteousness, or fear is controlling your life. If you're not serving God in holiness and righteousness, then you're serving God according to the fear of man. And there we are back to that on our own terms. You're not serving God on your own terms. He's not giving you that privilege, that right. 
We've been liberated to serve God according to His will for our lives. Just like Romans 12 says that we all have gifts, but they all are according to the grace of God. Not what I want and when I want to use them. I want to be a prophet. And I want, and I want uh, the prophecy to work every Sunday when I, and I, and I want this and I want that. And if it don't happen, wham, 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 I'm going home and I'm quitting because I didn't get what? My way. I didn't, I couldn't talk God into working on my terms. You can forget it. You are going home if that's you. And you're going to stay there locked up in fear with every excuse imaginable why, as to why you're not really fearful, but you're bound in fear. So you better find out what it means to serve Him in holiness and righteousness because that's the only place you can serve Him before Him. That means pleasing Him. The Spirit of God which we have received is the Spirit of power. It's the spirit of love and the spirit that provides a sound mind. Not a disturbed and confused mind, but a sound mind. Walking in soundness of mind. And soundness, again, soundness of mind is back to soberness of mind, which must operate according to that measure of faith. Romans 12, 3. It's, 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 it's in the ministry right now. Certain things just God sticks in the river with us where we are. And that's one of them right now that in, at Crossway Church anyway is that we, if we're not operating according to the measure, the portion of faith that God measured and portioned us out from the faith of Jesus Christ and dealt it to each one of us, then we're thinking with a heady and high mind, oh, we may cry and we may put on a show of humility, but it's not humility to Him. Humility and brokenness can only take place at the cross. Hallelujah. So we need to remember this. God gave you, He, he, he dealt out a portion, a measure, the measure of the faith of Jesus Christ so that we could operate in the faith so that we wouldn't have to be controlled by fear and all the other things that try to control us in this life because He didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a sound mind. And that's something we grow in. How many of you know that? When you first get saved, and again, I got saved when I was 11. I learned how to live for God according to the truth of God's Word when I was in my early 40s. So it takes, it takes a while to learn how to live for God. It takes a while. I mean, you're, you're born again. You're a babe in Christ. And yeah, I mean, pretty much just... Pretty much still carnal acting. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Just fleshly acting. You have to learn how to grow up, how to walk in the faith, how to run the race. You, you have to learn according to God's Word because everything's not just automatic once you get saved. You have to learn. That's why the Bible tells us to grow in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, to learn the truth of God's Word. 1 Corinthians 2.16 tells us, who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. If you're born again, you have the mind of Christ. It's just up to us 
as Paul told Timothy, stir that gift up. Because why? You have to find the mind of Christ. You have to find the, the mind of the Lord. You know how many times have you prayed that, Lord, I just need your, your mind, I need the mind of the Lord. I need the direction, the will of the Lord in this. I, I know, I, Lord, I know this, something about this is you leading me, but I, I need the mind of the Lord in this matter. Well, you have the mind of Christ. Everybody understand that? You, because you are His body, He is your head. So you always have access. The spirit of fear will always move us in the wrong direction. This is the fear of man. The spirit of fear will move you in the wrong direction. If fear is leading, it is not leading in the path of righteousness. If fear is controlling and leading, the fear will never lead you in the path of righteousness. It will lead you away. You may be saying the right stuff and thinking, oh, I got this and all, all that, but fear will never lead you in the proper direction. Another scripture that's uh, uh, very popular among us right now here at Crossway Church is the one about Paul and Peter in Antioch. In Galatians chapter 2, you read about it. The Bible there says Peter was moved by fear, moved with fear into a place of hypocrisy. Because fear won't move you into the righteousness of God. Fear will move you into something fleshly. Because Peter feared the men coming from Jerusalem he moved, he was moved with fear into a place of hypocrisy. And whichever way you're being moved, others are watching and moving that way with you. And we need to be aware of that. I don't care who you are, somebody's watching you to see what, how much you're going to live according to that which you have told them you believe. Oh yeah, you talk about going to that cross-believing church. And the preaching of the cross is the power of God. Now, I'm, they're not going to come up and say, hey, I'm watching you. But they're watching you. You better know they are. They're watching you. If you say the preaching of the cross is the power of God, you can be delivered from anything and everything. Oh, they're hiding over behind that tree, but they're watching you. They're watching to see if you are being delivered from you, if you are maturing, if you are growing, if you are becoming more like Christ. And forget, try, and get this attitude out of your mind. Well, if they will, I will. No, the cross was, I will no matter what they do. Hallelujah! The cross was, I will, Jesus said, no matter what they all do, and my faith in that puts me in a place where I will let God no matter what they all do. That's why we keep on preaching. No matter who's listening or who's not listening. Who's getting it or who's not getting it. We just keep on preaching it because someday some new person's going to get it. Amen. The spirit of fear will always move us in the wrong direction. This is why when something's in your life that's fearful, you don't, you know what you need to do? You need to just trust in what Jesus did for you at Calvary and walk right into that. You need to face that giant just like David faced the giant. You need to step out of that boat just like Peter stepped out of that boat. You need to grab a hammer and nails just like Noah. A flood coming? <laughs> oh boy, what's the use? You better grab that hammer and nails. I'm telling you, when something is fearful in your life, you just 
Deny yourself of fear controlling you. Take up your cross so that it won't and go right toward that thing. I remember years ago, a man told me, said, I, I want you to come be a part of our prayer group. And this was when I first started getting back in church at the age of 33 and reading the Bible and, and studying the Word. And, and, and I got in the prayer group. And after about three or four weeks of him discussing a Bible verse, and it was about 20 minutes before work every morning, and a few handful, four or five people was getting together, and he'd read the Scripture, and then he'd pray. And, and after about a month, he said, Hey, brother, I got a promotion, and they're moving me over to another building. I said, Oh, congratulations. Praise God. He said, But I need you to take over the prayer group. I said, Man, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Don't even think about it again. And he said, No. He said, I, I'm serious. God has started something here. He don't want it just to die out because I'm leaving. He said, you, 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 can, you, can, do, you can leave this. You can share the Scripture. You know, he saw that I, love, I, was, I was studying and loving the Word. And, and, I, and, I, and I was like, oh, man, come on. And I, if I finally just, you know, I, I, the Lord was impressing on my heart. It, does, it is something that needs to keep going, but I was fearful. But I just said, okay, Lord, I, I'll do it. I'll do it. And I was scared. I mean, I would, I would get up there and I wouldn't even look at the four or five people that was there. I'd just read uh, two or three verses and I, then I'd just keep looking down at my Bible and say, okay, let's pray. <laughs> and I'd hold on to my breeches. I'm not kidding. I'd hold on to my breeches leg, my pants. I'd hold on to them and pray. I was terrified. Because you have to break in and break through that. It's, it's not going to just melt down. You, you listen. It's there for a purpose, to grow you, to grow you. And you need to grow into what God's called you to do. And, uh, you know, and that group began to grow. A few days there would be another one or two people. And then I noticed one day the boss was coming out of the office. And every day he was getting a little closer. And I thought, I thought, wow, this guy's going to shut this prayer group down. Because he, he was at, in, in, at this point in his life, he was a mean man. Oh, he was mean, treated women horrible. And he'd get a little closer each day. And I kept thinking, you know, in my scared state, I kept thinking, man, he's going to tell us to quit. And half of me, my flesh was thinking, that'd be all right. You know, I'm too scared anyway. <laughs> But he kept getting closer until one day he was right on the edge of the group. And I thought, man, tomorrow, tomorrow, it's over tomorrow because he's right up here on us. He's about ready to tell us. And, and, uh, and then, then that one or two days after that, he called just in the middle of the day, no break, no lunch. He just called all 80-something people to the break area. And we're all sitting in there. And he said, I, I know you're wondering why I called you all to the office, and it was in 581 in a building out at Red River when it was something different than it is now. And uh, I'm talking about that building. And uh, he said, uh, well, it, it wasn't just me. He said, this is what he said now, a room full of 80-something people. He said, it was the Lord, my Lord, and the Holy Spirit that had me call you all in here. And I mean, you could hear the hairs moving on everybody's arm. It was total silence. And, because you, you say that stuff on the job and you're the big section chief, 
You got somebody's attention, buddy, especially coming from a man like he was. God done got a hold of him through that Bible study, and my mind was totally the opposite. This guy's coming to shut us down, and God the whole time was doing something totally the opposite. It was God drawing him, God changing him, and he went around that room in just a few moments' time, and he said, you know, he called them by name in their face and said, you remember that time that I said this to you, in front of all the whole building, he said, I'm sorry for that. I've asked God to forgive me, will you? And there was a move of God in that room that day. And, and, and I was sitting in my chair watching all this and thinking, my Lord, you know, and I didn't know anything in that day about a move of the Holy Spirit. I didn't know anything. I was just a, a good little fella going to a mainline denominational church that did, don't even believe in the baptism with the Holy Spirit or tongues and the gifts of the Spirit. And I was sitting in my chair watching all this. But even in that early day, I knew that was God working because people don't just do that. I mean, in, in apologizing to people, He had hurt badly before everybody else. And right in the middle of him going around and doing that, and everybody watching it, one woman stood up and said, I don't care what you say. I wouldn't trust you as far as I could spit. <laughs> and I was sitting in my chair, and the Lord just impressed in my heart so strongly, spoke to my heart, and he said, wherever there's a move of God, there's a move of the devil. Whenever God begins to move, the devil is going to scream trying to shut it down, shut it down. Because the devil knows if God begins to move and is able to move liberally among the people, there's going to be a move of God that saves the lost, the people he's controlling, going to, going to bring up the people of God back to a place of faith where they serve him. Just like that guy, he, he'd been saved years ago, but he was acting mean and ugly like the devil. He was in the same boat I was in, been saved at 11 years old, but then not knowing how to live for God, you just, you just, if you don't know how, you can't. You just try to do the best you can do, and that don't work out. And so there was a move of God that took place there because I was having to face a fear, but I was having to trust God too. And it was the grace of God that brought me through that. I just didn't tough it up and bow it up and I'm going through this anyway. That wasn't even my attitude. My attitude was, God, how am I going to do this? I, I see the reality of a need for the prayer and the Bible study. I, I see that. Uh, and it was like the Lord was saying, well, then what's the problem? If the need's there and you're the only one here that that looks like is going to carry it out because it got to the point I would ask anybody, do they want to pray? And they just stand there and look at me. No, nope, they want you to pray. And, and, and that's the way it is sometimes. But it wasn't like I bowed up and overcame something. I did not. The grace of God overcame me. God overcame the fear in my heart and, 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 and led me through that time. And I... And I kept, and I'm still having to grow. People say you look so normal and when you're teaching and preaching. But man, I feel it just like you would. Probably not as bad if you don't do it all the time. But there's every time you get up to speak and to preach or to sing or whatever, there's some kind of fear there operating. And uh, you, we just have to trust the Lord. And that's easier said than done. We, because trust in the Lord when there's a giant there... 
Uh, look at what David had to go through when Goliath was there. David first had to go through Saul. He had to go through Saul's armor. That, that ain't right. That ain't right. My brothers call me a little uh, twerp, say I need to go on back home and tend to the few sheep I got. And I had to go through my family. I had to go through this. And as long as you're facing your fear, you're going to keep going. Here's the good news. You're going to keep going through till there's nothing but the giant left. Because your family Family and religion will tell you why you shouldn't go face that giant. But the Lord will say you face the giant to show how great my grace is. Because that's what's on display. It wasn't about big bad David. It was about the word of the Lord and the grace of God that took the giant down. Yes, God used a young boy. God used a sling. God used a stone. God did that. But it was God. God's grace, hallelujah. So it ain't just us bowing up and I'm finally strong enough. I'm never strong enough. But the faith, that measure we've been given will bring us to face a fear and to keep walking right through it. Praise God. The fear of the Lord always moves us in the right direction. The fear of man always moves us in the wrong direction. The fear of the Lord always moves us in the right direction. And I want to spend just a couple minutes uh, this morning talking about the difference. And we've heard this through the years here at Crossway Church. And, and, and well, praise God, we're going to hear it again this morning. But God's Word says that the fearful will not inherit the kingdom. That's something to think about. So if the Bible, and, I'll, and we'll read the Scripture here in just, a, in, in just a minute, if the Bible says the fearful can't inherit the kingdom, but then Peter wrote something like, if, you go, well, if you're going to call on the Father, you've got to travel through this time you've been given, this, uh, this, this life you've been given, you've got to call upon Him in fear. Well, if you're not a student of the Word and you don't really dig in deeper than what's on the outer surface, you'll be confused. Well, uh, the fearful are not going to heaven. They're not going to inherit Heaven, the kingdom of heaven. and But yet Peter wrote that when you call on the Father, you better call on Him in fear. So we need to talk about that because if you don't understand the right fear and the wrong fear, you'll be in trouble. You'll be confused. You won't be able to uh, operate with that measure of faith. Remember, that measure of faith, Romans 12, 3, keep going back to it. You were dealt that through your faith in what Christ did for you at Calvary. And it only functions when faith comes. Faith comes by what? Hearing the Word. Faith comes by hearing the Word, that being the Word of God, but it always has to be in the context of Christ and what He did at Calvary. And you say, well, how can that be? It has to be in the context that the faith came to you at the beginning. The content. Your, that means your faith has to remain in what Christ did at Calvary. Yes, we believe what the Word of God says, and faith comes when we hear, when we believe the Word of God, but our belief in the Word of God is not proper if our faith is not anchored in Christ. We need to understand. That's what That right there, the church does not know that. They think they can... Here, here, here's where we get back on our own terms. I can just go pick me a Bible verse out and quote that and expect God to move. Nope. 
He guides me into all truth. He guides me into the truth I need today for my life, for growth, for, for His glory, for, for, for whatever He's called me to walk in. So we need to remember that. So let's look at the difference between the fear of man and the fear of the Lord. Revelation, the first one we'll read, Revelation chapter 21, uh, verse 5. I'm going to turn this fan back on. I know I'm leaving the camera for a minute, but uh, it, it might help things out. Robin might tell us if it... I don't think it'll overpower my voice. Revelation 21, verse 5. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcomes. Let me, let me read those three words again. He that overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful, but the fearful and unbelieving, and, and, and let's stop right there because we've got to make a point here. If fear is controlling me, it's because of unbelief. If fear is controlling me, it's because of unbelief. When Goliath stood before Israel, Saul wasn't trusting in God. I'm not facing him. Y'all go face him. The whole army of Israel, I'm not facing him. And it wasn't just because he was big and looked bad and could have probably whooped many men at one time in the flesh. But somebody showed up, little David, who had faith. Unbelief was not operating in his heart at that time. And because of faith, he could go and God used him to take down the giant. So verse 8, here in Revelation 21, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So we see there in that verse that the fearful are only going to inherit hell, separation from God, the second death, the lake of fire forever and ever. The fearful. Well, what in the world does that mean? That means they fear men. And they won't come to God because the fear of men. They won't trust in Christ because they fear they will lose their stamina. They won't surrender to Christ because they fear their family may rid themselves of them. They won't come to Christ. They won't trust in Christ because of who knows why, but that's all the fear of man and unbelief. And that spirit, that thought, that Unbelief, that fear has a place reserved in the lake of fire. The difference between worldly fear, the fear of man, and godly fear, the fear of the Lord. We need to understand what that is. 
Because God's Word also says that we should pass the time of our traveling through this time on the earth in fear. Well, what in the world? What in the world? See, you read that, you're like confused. If you don't understand the difference between the fear of man and the fear of the Lord, and most don't because there's a lot of people who've been listening to the message of the cross for years and they're still refusing to uproot from that church they go to where this message is not being preached and the pastor refuses to go this way of the cross. He just says, I'm not going this way. He's been told it, he's heard it, he's heard it, he's heard it, but he's refusing to submit to it and you're still sitting under it that's because you're operating in the fear of man you're not leaving because of what granny would think of you mother brother husband wife preacher grandfather somebody somewhere has got a hold on you and really it's all rooted in an unbelief that's bringing about the fear of man remember you can be moved with fear because of what other people think. Go back and read the story of Peter and Paul in Galatians chapter 2. But once you really surrender to the truth, which is the message of the cross, then the Lord, if you will choose to go that way, then the Lord will be able to plant you, plant you in the house of the Lord on His terms and not yours, and then you can begin to flourish in the court's of your God. Hallelujah. That's good stuff. So watch what Peter wrote about this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17 through verse 19. And if you call on the Father who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, past the time of your sojourning, your traveling through this life, your Christianity here in fear. Pass the time of your sojourning, your traveling here in fear. Now, let's read that again. If you call on the Father, did you see that? If you, if you are going to call on your heavenly Father, you better pay attention now. You don't call on Him on your own terms. We're going to be saying that a lot, I think, over the next few weeks, maybe my life. You don't call on God based on your own terms. Those Israelites today who are out at the well and wall are still calling on God on their own terms. They've not accepted Jesus as Messiah, so they're still calling on God on their own terms. And He ain't answering them. You need to understand that. Jesus taught, you pray to the Father through my name, the name they don't believe on. They're still operating on their own terms. They're still dying and going to a place called hell, torment. I want you to get that. If you call on the Father, if you are going to call on your Father, you need to remember He is not a respect of persons, but He's a judge of every man's work. Well, our works are works of righteousness by faith in the righteous work of Christ at Calvary. You need to pass the time of your traveling through this life here in fear. Now look what he says after that. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain 
lifestyle, conversation, behavior received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Peter brings our focus back to the cross, that which purchased you and gave you a heavenly Father. And if you're going to call on Him, you're going to have to call on Him in fear. That means the fear of the Lord. That means, and, and, and I wrote it down so I'd make sure I get it right, the Lord several years ago gave me a definition of the fear of the Lord. And of course, He confirmed it with Scriptures in the Word after He spoke it to my heart. And this is what He gave us at Crossway Church. The fear of the Lord is the proper biblical estimated value of God's worth. The fear of the Lord is the proper biblical estimation of God's worth. Estimated value of God's worth, which can only be seen through faith in the cross. Again, back to Galatians 2. Peter was moved from the fear of the Lord that he was operating in, but because he heard those guys were coming from James's church in Jerusalem, fear gripped his heart because he feared them. He, he placed a value on them that he should not, and he lost his value of the Lord and what Christ had done. Because we, we've done that. We can move our, our value from the Lord to a false value of people when we give somebody the power to keep us in some local church. And it's just a great example to be using. When we know we shouldn't be there, that's the fear of man. And I'm not saying because you as a Christian are operating in the fear of man that you're going to hell. I'm saying you better learn the difference between the fear of the Lord and the fear of man because most of the church today operates in the fear of man. Preachers operate in the fear of man. They won't preach certain things because they fear that guy or that woman might leave the church, and if they leave, that means all that money they're giving will leave, and boy, we'd be in trouble. That's the fear of man. Amen. The fear of the Lord is the proper biblical estimated value of God's worth. The Bible tells us exactly what the fear of the Lord is in other places. It says that it's a hatred for evil. The fear of the Lord is a, is a hate for evil. It tells us that in the book of Proverbs. And I want to go to the book of Proverbs to verify what I'm telling you, that the fear of the Lord is tied to your faith in the cross because only through faith in what Jesus did at Calvary will you see the value of your God, how gracious He is, merciful He is, loving He is, forgiving He is. And all that He is was manifest at Calvary to us in Christ. And through your faith in that, you begin to see that. You begin to walk in that. You begin to trust that. And you find yourself trusting in the fear of men again and you get rid of it and you come back to the fear of the Lord. Thank God Peter repented and he got stronger than ever before. He even wrote about that which Paul some of those things Paul writes about may be hard to understand 
And he says some are even twisting what Paul says like they do the other scriptures, but for their own destruction. Even Peter gave, uh, kept going. He, he even would write that what Paul's written is scripture. Don't twist it. Don't mess it up. But Proverbs 14, 26, and 27, uh, uh, to me, this has always been paramount when it comes to the fear of the Lord because it points us right to Calvary. If you're growing in the truth of God's Word, not just hearing the Bible read to you, if you're growing in the truth of God's Word, it means God's Word's always going to point you to the one who is truth and what He did to become applicable truth to you. And unless truth is being applied to your heart, fear will control you all the days of your life and you won't be able to serve God in holiness and righteousness, but fear will dominate you. And I don't want to see that. Fear, can I say this this morning? Because I don't, want to, I don't want to just push everybody out of the boat or make it sound like I am. Fear is a problem we all have. Fear is a problem we all have. Because it's all, it, 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 might be, it might be not controlling us today, but something can happen just like it did to Peter. And fear can grab the doorknob on the door and open it and say, Now I'm coming in. And unless we stay conscious, unless we, like Paul told Timothy, stir that gift up, keep that gift stirred up, keep that focus. Remember, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. What God gave you overcomes fear. All fear. Hallelujah. And we grow. We overcome more. And we overcome more. We, we take the land as Israel did in the old covenant that we read about. That's us today. That was representative of us today taking more land today. And I'm not talking about the boundaries of Queen City in Atlanta and putting a person and setting up camp at the city limit signs and books been written about that foolishness. I'm talking about taking the land the devil has owned in your heart for far too long. Amen. Proverbs fourteen twenty six in the fear of the Lord. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. And His children, the Lord's children, shall have a place of refuge. Where is it? In the fear of the Lord. Remember, when you call on the Father, Peter wrote, you better call on Him in fear. Because here we're seeing in the fear of the Lord. And that's what Peter's talking about. He's talking about in the fear of the Lord. In fear. When you call on the Father, you better call on Him in fear. That means the proper value of who He is. And Peter goes on and explains that. Remember that you were purchased not with gold and silver, but with the blood of Jesus. Do you see that? But watch this now. Verse 26, Proverbs 14. In the fear of the Lord <coughs> is strong confidence. And his children, the Lord's children, shall have a place of refuge. Woo, I need that every day. I need that every day. That's, to me, I, I see a place of refuge as like a cave that I go into and can't nothing touch me in there. It can scream at me. It can throw rocks and try to uh, bellow out at me like old Goliath did. I'm going to take your head. I'm going to do all this. I'm going to do all that. And David stepped up and said, do it, then talk about it. <laughs> 
and we go in that cave, it's not really a cave, it's in Christ. That we walk in Him, that we trust Him, even in the midst of a storm that's coming. We trust Him. And we have a place of refuge. That means safety and contentment and peace and, and assurance and quietness and stillness of soul. We're not going to let the world and the devil and all the things that's going on stir us to a place of fear. Or chaotic minds are, are confused. We're going to stay determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified, that which keeps us in the fear of the Lord. Now watch this, verse 27 really gets even more specific. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. The fountain of life. Jesus said He's the life. And the fountain is the blood He shed for you. Hallelujah. The fountain of life is the blood He shed for you. Oh, what a fountain. Glory to God. The fear of the Lord, your proper estimated biblical value of God's worth is you having a fountain of life. And what does it do for you? It allows you to depart from the snares of death. Where did you and I depart from death? At the cross. We were dead in our sins, in our trespasses. We were so dead, we couldn't do anything about it. God had to send His only begotten Son to go to the cross for us to represent us as the last Adam. And when He laid His life down, when He humbly and obediently obeyed the command given Him to lay His life down, He represented that who we were, which was sinners without a way to God. Jesus became the way. And through the truth that He is of that way, we have that fountain of life that He is through that way. Glory to God. That's why Jesus taught, if you know the truth, the truth will make you free. He is the truth, but it is the way of the cross that we have access to that fountain of blood, that fountain of life. Hallelujah. So here we see in Proverbs again that the fear of the Lord is based on our faith in the cross of Christ, what Christ did at Calvary for us. So I hope this has helped you today a little bit to know the difference between the fear of man that will always move you. Maybe even in a religious way that you think you're going right, but it ain't right. The fear of man will always move you in the wrong way. You, it, the fear of man will never, can never move you in the, in the path of righteousness. Only the fear of the Lord. And when you call on your heavenly Father, you've got to call on Him in fear. And again, I just love that. Peter broke it down to what that means. Remember, when you call on your Father in fear, remember, you weren't, you weren't bought with silver and gold. You were bought with the precious blood of Jesus. You, you were purchased. What purchased you? That price is what gave you that measure of faith that allows you to cry, Abba, Father. That precious price, that blood that you are trusting in, is what gives you that assurance you have, that quietness and stillness of soul that you have. That's what allows you to learn and to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. You need to remember these things. So many people today are still trapped. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the fear of man is a snare. A snare is something that you get yourself in and then you can't get out. 
And the answer for you being trapped in the fear of man is the fear of the Lord. And that is you coming back to Calvary, not with your lips, my friend, but when men believe with the heart under righteousness, then God can move because God moves men based on what their hearts are trusting in, not what their lips are saying. The lips can say anything, but it's with the heart we deny God access or we allow God access. And we need to remember that. He tells Timothy in verse 8, Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Now, why would Paul write this to Timothy? Because Timothy, like you and I, are surrounded by people who don't want to talk about the Lord. I'm talking about Christians. People that claim they're saved. They don't want to talk about the Lord. They don't want to talk about the Scriptures. They want to talk about their church and how long they've gone there and how many years their church has been there and who their preacher is and all these things. And if that is the limit of our conversation and what we call spiritual things, we listen, people, who refu- people that are saved but refuse to talk about the Lord and the Word of God, it, it's because they have become ashamed. If you have to be pushed up against the wall and made tell what you believe, if that's the only time anybody can find out what you really believe, and you're now only telling them because you're angry they've pushed you up against the wall, there needs to be a change, my friend. There needs to be a change. I remember when I was saved, a Christian, but I was ashamed of it. I was ashamed of it. Don't tell me you won't be or you can't be because the Bible here, Paul is telling Timothy something so that he won't be, or maybe he could be delivered from what he is experiencing. But the Holy Spirit has a reason for writing this to Timothy. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Get that. Paul said, don't be ashamed of me, the prisoner of Christ. Just because I'm in prison doesn't mean that my message is wrong. Just because they've locked me up, the devil will use that. Well, he, he, you know, he was stirring up too much stuff, causing too much chaos. That doesn't mean he was wrong. There are preachers today that preach a hard message, and they call it hard. They preach the message of the cross. They warn against all that's false on a continual basis, and, and people think that they shouldn't be. They just shouldn't. They should be trying to get along and love everybody. Those same people would have been the problem among Israel of old, and they are still the problem among the church today. Because they just don't quite see the need to warn. They hadn't stepped into that place of reality And they really don't believe this, that 99.999999% of everything going on in the church today is only form with no power. Or we wouldn't be in the mess we're in, and the world, this nation, wouldn't be in the mess we're in. We've been ashamed too long And the message of the cross, the focus of the cross, is what has allowed the church to begin to rise up 
not in some meanness, but to begin to declare that which is true, that which is right, that old path, and to warn against all things that are not. Well, I hope you've been blessed today. Of course, we're out of time. Time flies when you're uh, enjoying the Lord and His precious Word. And I thank you for tuning in today. I encourage you to pray for us and to also sow into good ground where you're hearing the Word, God's words of truth. And you're able to learn the Bible in its proper context. You can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can text your giving to 903-231-5950. And thank you for your help. We love you. And we look forward to seeing you next Friday as well. Don't forget this Sunday morning, 10 a.m., I'll be ministering a message entitled, The Wisdom That Is From Above. I'll see you next time. Hallelujah.